0: Welcome back to Slam Presents Hoop Ties. I am the one and only, your host, Amad K. Smith. Today we have a very special guest coming on, Wes Goldberg, talking about the Miami Heat, but it is NBA Draft Week, and I want to talk about two sleepers in the draft that I really feel like can be star players someday or just players that can have an impactful, I want to say, year that a lot of people aren't really talking about or probably wouldn't expect. And that first person is Jordan. Hawkins from UConn. This is a guy that just came off of winning a national championship with UConn this past year. He averaged 16-point shot, 39% from the field. Jordan is probably the best three-point... 39% from the three-point line, I'm sorry. Jordan Hawkins is probably the best shooter and pure shooter in this draft. Like, he has a beautiful stroke, beautiful shot, catch and shoot, coming off screens and pin downs. He's very excellent. Um, This guy is... He has ability to put the ball in the basketball hoop when we talk about from distance. I mean, and he he has also the ability, a little handle ability to create his own shot as well. This player, I feel like he's going to be in that range of that 16 to 25 range. And he's just a player that I feel like a lot of people aren't really talking about, but he's one of those players if a contender or a a playoff caliber team or even a championship contender gets their hands on him and – they're going to be very, very happy because he has a lottery type talent, even though he's not going to go in a lottery. But like I said, 16 to 25 range. And to me, low ceiling, probably a J.J. Reddick type of player, just strictly shooting, coming off screens and things like that. Likely ceiling, he could be like a Malik Monk, even though he doesn't have the athleticism as Malik Monk has, but just that knack of Yes, he can, he's a pure shooter, but he also has ability, like I said, his handle ability can create off the dribble a little bit more. If he reaches ultimate potential, he can be a Reggie Miller type of marksman. That's how pure he is. That's how fantastic his shot is, and that's how like deadly he is for shooting the ball. Once again, thirty-nine percent from the three-point line in college. He yeah, averaged 16 points he led the Yukon was the best player on the Yukon's men's team that won a championship. This brother can put the ball in the basket when we talk about just pure shooting ability. Another player that's going to go a little higher than Jordan Hawkins, I believe, is Kaysen Wallace. Now, this Casey Wallace is a Kentucky guard, and we know about them Kentucky guards. We know about guys that for us like the minutes. They don't really play that much in college and things of that nature because Kentucky has a, a, always a roster of great depth. But Kaysen Wallace is probably the best perimeter. I'm not going to say probably. He's the best perimeter defender in this year's draft. He gets after on the defensive side of the court. He's a combo guard. He can play on the ball. He can play off the ball as well. Probably a little better off the ball, I would say, but he's still good enough to be probably a secondary primary ball handler in the NBA depending on, you know, what team he goes to or gets selected to. But he only averaged 11 points for since. He only shot about 44% for the the field, but his three-point touch has improved over the course of the year, and he has the potential to be a very – elite 3 and D guy, if we're talking about on the low-level end of just that's it. If he doesn't do anything more to become – works on his game or, like, becomes an all-star or something like that, he can be your 3 and D guys. And we know in this league, 3 and D guys get paid. We look at uh, Davion Mitchell from a low-level ceiling from the Sacramento Kings. That's something he can be like if he doesn't really work on his game or things like that. And that's not a bad player. Davion Mitchell is a nice – backup guard that can defend and also has the ability to shoot the three as well. But I don't think he's going to be that. I think he most likely would be a Marcus Smart type of player. We know what Marcus Smart did in college, but combo guard can defend. Marcus Smart won a defensive player of the year Award. war. He can shoot the three. That can be case in wild. That's his most likely thing he'll become. But if he reaches his full potential, I feel like he can be a Drew Holiday type of player because he, he has the ability to create, got a good handle, can work on that, but he can create off the dribble a little bit, he can finish a little bit, but for his off-ball defense, and if he works on his offensive game and just become this overall package, he has the potential to be a Drew Holiday type of player. So those are two guys I feel like, especially we've seen Drew Holiday work on his game on the course when he first came in, and then what he is right now with the Milwaukee Bucks, Casey Wallace has that potential. I don't know if he's going to reach that potential. I don't know if Jordan Hawkins is going to reach that potential. But these are two sleeper picks that I feel like if a team, the right team, or they go to the right situation, because we know situations, everything, they're going to be very, very impactful. Similar to Tyrese Maxey. A few years ago when Tyrese Maxey was coming out from Kentucky, and I was like, yo, this guy is a combo guard. He's a stud. If he gets in the right situation, he can be very, very special. That's what I really feel about Cason Wilds the most. And I feel like he's not even going to drop the way Tyrese Maxey dropped all the way to the 20s. Casey Wilds is going to be potentially, he can go as high as eight. And I feel like he can go probably as low as like 17. But like the, the ceiling is there. The potential is there. It's just like we just got to see what he's going to be. But once again, coming on, we have Wes Goldberg. We're talking about the Miami Heat. We're talking about things they need to do. We have Wes Goldberg coming up. We're talking about the Miami Heat. We're talking about Dwayne Wade. Stay tuned next for that interview. All right, we're back with another fire guest, Wes Goldberg, writer and host on the Lockdown Heat podcast. How are you doing today, man?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me.
0: Good. Um, first question I have for you. What was your favorite team growing up, and what kind of started your love for the game of basketball?
1: My favorite team was the Miami Heat. I was born and raised here, so um, it's the team I cover now. So, yeah, yeah. So um, I really got into basketball, the Miami Heat I got into because of Dwayne Wade in 2003. I remember like the Alonzo morning, Tim Hardaway years in the late 90s. But when I really fell in love was with D. Wade and just seeing what he was able to do on the court, it just blew my mind. Uh, But what really attracted me to the game before D. Wade was uh, Kobe and KG. It's not really original answers there. But like, I remember watching Kevin Garnett shooting threes at seven feet tall and like making layups from behind the basket. And I'm like, what is this guy doing? How is this even happening? So I fell in love with the game then.
0: Well, it's great to have another Miami Heat guy. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, but I grew up in Miami Heat fan. Dwayne Wade is my favorite player of all time. Let's go. Good a basketball times. team. Um, <laughs> kind of gravitated towards Dwayne Wade and Marquette. That magical, you know, tournament run he went on and things of that nature. So it's, like I said, once again, it's great to have another Miami Heat guy, especially a guy that grew up watching the Miami Heat as well. I would say for me, it was Allen Iverson, mm-hmm. and then after Allen Iverson gravitated, quickly gravitated towards uh, Dwayne Wade. But let's get right into it. Talk to me about the run that the Miami Heat went on, because we know what happened in the regular season, but, and then things quickly shifted, and there's basically a whole new team <laughs> came along in the postseason with the Miami Heat. So talk to me about that run.
1: Surprising, magical, unexpected um and honestly man like one of the most fun seasons and specifically playoff runs Mm -hmm. that i've ever covered been a part of or just watched and experienced um it was the season itself was not very fun the season itself was pretty frustrating it was hard to get a read on this team because there was a lot of signs during the year i was like i kept telling people i can't tell if this team's even good or if it's bad it's we're hovering around 500 the entire year. I can't really figure out what's going on. Sometimes it just feels like they're missing a bunch of shots, but I feel like the execution and like the, the schematic stuff is good. You know, like the stuff in, like under the hood works. But, you know, if you're missing that many shots in today's game, there's only so far you can go. And then the playoffs roll around. And I think there's something to be said about, all right, clean slate, zero zero, no stats, no more cold streaks, no more ruts. It's just a brand new season. And the more you talk to the Miami Heat, coaches and players before the playoffs started, the more they talked about that, the fact that this was a clean slate for them and a fresh start, and they really embraced that. And I think for shooters like Duncan Robinson and Max Drews and Gabe Vincent, who did struggle for most of the year, Mm -hmm. so much of shooting is, once you get the mechanics down, mental, right? We know that. So I think having that sort of mental refocus and reset was really important for them. And I honestly think that just getting that first game in Milwaukee and Giannis getting hurt and then kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. They're like, oh my God, Like we can actually do this. Really, really help them and, and propelled them basically all the way to the NBA Finals.
0: Was the Milwaukee series a series where you felt like, okay, this team has a chance to go and do something special? Because I remember watching a series once Giannis got hurt. And then I was like, I always used to tell people, if there's one team that can really give... Giannis and the, the Bucks trouble. I always felt that was Miami because, you know, they had the defensive philosophy and formula to kind of like not slow Giannis down but make things difficult for them, and that's what kind of happened. And then after they beat the Milwaukee Bucks, a lot of people were doubting them against the New York Knicks, and then they went on and basically showed the New York Knicks, okay, well, we got this. And then the Boston mm-hmm. Celtics arrived. Talk to me about that series because I feel like that was a crazy series entirely.
1: Yeah, I mean, you go up 3-0 over the Boston Celtics, and Celtics fans are losing their minds. It's fire Joe Missoula. Do we have to break up Tatum and Jalen Brown? Mm-hmm. Uh, is this the end of the group as we know it? And then the Heat lose three straight in the same series, and Miami fans are saying, what's going on here? Is this the end of a run? Is this all the team has left? Did they run out of gas? Is this the end of an era? Kind of doing the same thing, right? Yeah. And then it goes to a Game 7, and Miami pulverizes the Celtics. And, um, you know, I think when I started believing that this team could make a run, it wasn't really even after they beat the Milwaukee Bucks. I thought they would beat the New York Knicks in the second round, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know if they would beat them, like, handedly. Because they split the series, I'm pretty sure, 2-2 in the regular season. And uh, But the Knicks played them well, and the Knicks were the kind of team that could take down Miami Heat, like the regular season version of the Heat, right? And so I was like, all right, let's kind of see how this goes. Like, if this is going to be like a a really tough series, and Miami just barely gets through it, then then I don't think they're going to have a chance against the Boston Celtics, but uh, or whoever comes out of Boston, Philly at, at that point. And uh, when I when I saw against the Knicks was a team that was really serious and and could figure things out. And they didn't even shoot well in that series; they only shot like thirty percent in that series from three, and they still found ways to win. So. What propelled them against Milwaukee was this just like lights out three point shooting. They found new ways to win against the Knicks. I thought their execution was better against New York than even it was against the Milwaukee Bucks. And so now I was like, okay, you can kind of marry these two things together between the execution and the three point shooting, and this team will have a chance. And that's what happened against Boston. Um, it ne- didn't necessarily happen against the Denver Nuggets, but that's the Nuggets are just too good. That was never happening.
0: Yeah. speaking of the Denver Nuggets, why did you feel like they struggled so much against the Denver Nuggets in the NBA Finals?
1: Nikola Jokic. I mean, that guy is unstoppable, you know? And I actually thought Miami did as well of a job, as good a job as any team in the league in defending him. They kept the Nuggets point totals pretty low. I think that's, like, the offensive rating stuff, the per-100 possessions was still pretty comparable to what the Denver Nuggets had been uh, used to, but they slowed the pace down. They kind of got the Nuggets out of their game a little bit and controlled a lot of the tone of that game, but the Nuggets are just too talented. There's too much chemistry. They know how to play well together. Jamal Murray just made that, Star leap in the middle of the playoffs, and um, I just think they're a really deserving champion. And you know, what was funny was being around the team after the bubble run. There was a real sense of disappointment, like a real like we could have had that one. And obviously, in that finals against the Lakers, Dragic and Bam get hurt early in that series, and it just kind of went sideways pretty early for them. But they really thought, and maybe it was part of the motion of just being in the bubble. As long as they were too, yeah. they were like pretty distraught after that. And then even after they lose to the The Celtics in game seven last year in the Eastern Conference Finals, they were devastated, like devastated. After this one, there wasn't devastation. I mean, they were upset that they lost, Mm. but it wasn't to the same level. And the more you talk to people around the organization, like it was like they felt really good about their run. Like there was a sense of pride in what it is that they did, where, and it's not like a moral victory thing because Pat Riley doesn't believe in that and the Miami Heat don't believe in that. But I think there is still a, like a chance to reflect and be like, "Wow, like we were the eighth seed. Like we just barely got into this out of the playing tournament, and we made this kind of run and did something that nobody else in the playoffs did. Take a game off the Nuggets in Denver. They were the only team that did it in the entire postseason. So um, I think that there's a lot of it, it, there was a lot more pride and and good feelings and good vibes coming off of this last run than there was even off the, the past few times that they were just sort of that close to winning a championship.
0: I mean, it's hard. They were the second team in NBA history as an AFC to go to the NBA Finals. I mean, we've never seen like a team win a, as an AFC win a championship. It's so- and the first
1: team to ever do it in a non-lockout season. I think right. that's an important thing mm-hmm. to, 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 to say because when the Knicks did it in 99, there was only lockout. like what? It was, it was a lockout year. There was only like six games or four games or something separating them and the number one seed. There was 14 mm-hmm. games separating the Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks is the number one seed like that was those lockout years. And then the Knicks were dealing with injuries during that season, too. So kind of they were just getting healthy at the right time. So this was like a legit kind of average team like the Knicks were average by record only because of the shortened season and because of injuries. This was illegal. This was just an average team. Like there was no reason to believe in this Miami team based on what you saw in the regular season. And if anybody did, I'm like, I want to I want to have what you're having because like yeah. <laughs> there was no reason. And yet. You get that kind of run, it was just, it was remarkable.
0: And then they went, like you said, the Milwaukee Bucks against Giannis, even though Giannis was hurt two games. Then they went up against a gritty Knicks team. It's like, okay, we give them that. But then they faced the Celtics. So it's just like, they really beat the two best teams in, most people's eyes. If you ask, you know, people that cover the game and stuff like that. People, some people say Philly. Everybody knows Philly in the regular season problems. I don't think anybody thought the Philadelphia Six was going to do anything seriously, but they really beat like the two best teams in right. the Eastern Conference. And then it's just like that's a draining process. Uh, that's a that's just draining, just really, really draining. And then you have to go to the finals, and you got the best team in the entire NBA, in the entire Western Conference. And then arguably now you had the bet had to go against the best player in the league as well. But the piggyback on something you said, like it's no moral victories and things of that nature, the Miami Heat went to two NBA finals in the last four years. Is it more of a knock? Is it more like, a, oh, congratulations, they did that, Or is it more of a knock that they lost those finals in not so good fashion? Because even though mm-hmm. the, you, you say about 2020, when it gets the Los Angeles Lakers, I never really felt like that was much of a series, to be honest. And yeah. even this series against the Denver Nuggets, I didn't really feel that way as well. So how's like, the feeling around like, oh, we've been to two two finals in four years, but how's like, the feeling of like, but we kind of lost in not so good fashion?
1: First of all, I agree with you. Uh, in terms of 2020 and this last year, I didn't think that he had a chance against the Denver Nuggets. Nuggets are just too good. And I actually felt that way about the Lakers in the bubble too, but... The Heat really did feel like they had a chance. And it's not to say that they don't feel like they had a chance against Denver, but they really felt like they could have beaten the Lakers if they didn't get hurt. Um, Anyway, uh, I don't know if it's more of like a a pro or... I think it was just... I think what we've learned about this team over the last four years is we know exactly who they are. I think getting to the finals and then losing in the finals is a pretty accurate representation of how good this team has been since acquiring Jimmy Butler. They have been really, really good. Like, top five, six in the league good every year, but just not good enough. Just not the best team in the NBA. And like I said, I don't think, I think the Lakers were the best team in 2020. I think they deserve that championship. Um, I think the Nuggets were the best team in the NBA. I think they deserve that championship. The Heat deserved to be in those finals. I think they were that good and, uh, and have been that good. But it also says, like, there's there's something missing. They are a something short. Maybe it, they are a, a lead scorer or a long term answer at power forward or something else. They're, they are something. There's something missing that is that that they need to get themselves over the hump. And so I think we have a good sense of where the Heat are um, and how close it is that they are to winning a championship. And that's why I think this team is still trying to figure out how to how to maybe go get a star, whether it's Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard, whoever it is. Um, I think that's why that, why the Heat remained focused. And even last year, Kevin Durant, Donovan Mitchell being involved in those rumors. That's why they are still involved in these kinds of conversations, despite mm-hmm. maybe by record or by accomplishments or by how far they go in the postseason. Maybe it doesn't look like they need a superstar, but they feel like they need a superstar.
0: So coming off a finals appearance, most people would say that you have a chance the following season to return to the NBA Finals. Do you think the Heat are good enough if they run things back to win a championship this upcoming year?
1: To win a championship? Probably not. I mean, you can always give yourself a chance. We've seen that. Give yourself a chance. Who knows what can happen? Maybe somebody gets hurt, you know, something like that. But I probably wouldn't if you run it back and and running it back, like what does that really mean? Like you're not going to be able to bring back, you know, guys like Gabe and Max, if you're keeping Kyle, uh, Gabe Vincent, Max Struce, if you're bringing back Kyle Lowry and Duncan Robinson, um, you probably knew need to address the front court spot. If, if Kevin Love and Cody Zeller leave as unrestricted free agents. Um, so there's going to be some sort of movement on the roster regardless, but if anything short of making a acquisition of some sort of high L high end starter, To kind of superstar and in that spectrum Mm -hmm. anything short of that I would say it probably takes something magical again Mm -hmm. to do what it is that they did but I I would still say that the the Nuggets the Suns I would still put the Bucks the Celtics just traded for Kristaps Porzingis like I would still put them in my preseason power rankings over the Miami Heat
0: so it's interesting you say that because Pat Riley had a press conference the other day, he basically came out and said, like, it's on Jimmy Butler's shoulders. Like, he said he would love to find a perfect complementary piece for Jimmy Butler, but it's not really easy. And Jimmy Butler's a great player. It's like he kind of got to get it done. And this leads to my next question. I want you to piggyback off that, the Pat Riley one. But, like, Jimmy Butler averaged 27-6-6 and in the 2023 NBA playoffs. But it felt like this playoffs, it was, like, very high moments, and then it just kind of tailed off tailed off tailed off pat riley feels the way that he feels but the real question is do you believe that jimmy butler is good enough to be a number one on a championship team
1: i think he's good enough to be your alpha on a championship team i think he's good enough to be maybe even your best player on a championship team i don't think he could be the number one scorer Okay. On a championship team. And I think that's an important difference to make. Especially in today's NBA where your number one scorer is usually your best player. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler is that rare kind of player. Like he's he could be your best player without scoring the most points, right? I mean, there was moments in the regular season where Tyler Hero was their leading scorer, but I don't think anybody would say that he was better than Jimmy Butler was. You know what I mean? So, um I and and by the way, I think this is the same thing with Bam out of bio. I think Bam could be your second best player on a championship team. But he can't be the, the number one scorer. Because every time you see Miami running into a wall, whether it was this last season or the seasons before that, it was when they just needed more from Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo when they're already doing so much um, on the defensive end, rebounding, all the but playmaking, like all these other things that they have to do. If they could go out and just get a guy who could literally just take the most shots and then probably score the most points, I think that would really sort of lighten the load on guys like Butler and Bam and allow them to thrive in the places that they thrive. And they're going to still get their 20, 24 points a game. They're still going to do that. But it just becomes, you know, less important, easier on them in terms of the scoring. If they had somebody that can just go out there and lead the team in scoring, even if that player isn't necessarily the quote-unquote best player on the team. And, that, and I think that best player could still be Jimmy Butler.
0: It's, it's hard because I feel like you're right. But I also feel like based on the regular season... You know, these past four years, it's just like we have really high regular seasons. We have really low regular seasons. We remember the following season where they lost to not last year, but the year before. They they got beat down in the first round, and Jimmy Butler had, was averaged like with twelve points per game. So it's yeah. like the big question is like, who are they? Are they this regular season team that we saw this year, or are they the postseason team? And then you brought up a good. You kind of talked about like a, a score that can just take the most shots. Pat Riley came out and said that. They have Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero is, is the part of the anchor for their franchise. How do you feel about that? Is he that guy? Can he be that score that Jimmy Butler and that Bam needs if they don't go out and make a move?
1: I think one day he could be. Um, I'm really high on Tyler Hero. I think the Heat are very high on Tyler Hero. When when Pat Riley is out there saying that he's you know anchors with Bam Adebayo of the franchise, I don't really think he's trying to sell us anything. I think he truly means that. The Heat really really like what they what they've seen from Tyler over the last few years, his work ethic, how he's added things to his game every single season. I think that's really important. Added, this, added kind of his floater this year. Um, you know that he's going to be in the lab working on stuff, adding stuff to his bag coming into next year. Um, and they did miss him in the NBA Finals. They really did. And, and I think that much was apparent. Um, I think there's hope that he can one day be that guy. I, the problem is, how does that fit? with jimmy's window can he be that guy while jimmy butler is still able to be the best player on a championship team and like you were were talking about like the wear and tear is real like it's a real question whether or not this guy can keep doing what he's doing especially if he's going to kind of give it up kind of let go of the rope during the regular season kind of coast like the way i kept saying is like in the regular season he's he's going 50 miles an hour in a 65 Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and then the playoffs roll around and he puts the pedal to the metal and now he's going 80 and a 70, you know, and he's just and he's flooring it. But, you know, you can only you can only do that for so long, right? Before you, you know, things start blowing out. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how much longer Jimmy has where he could play like this in the playoffs and how 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 much time Tyler Hero needs to be the guy, the kind of score that they need. The other problem with that is it would be a lot easier if it was just Jimmy and Tyler, but it's not. It's Jimmy, Tyler, and Bam. And when you talk about other windows, outside the Jimmy Butler window, the Bam Adebayo window is wide open. That dude's 25 years old and he just keeps getting better. Yeah. So that's why I think Pat Riley during that press conference was also preaching preaching patience. Because if you get over the, if you kind of get past the Jimmy Butler window and it's clear that he's not that guy anymore, do you start to reconfigure things towards the Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero window? Because we just saw what the, the Nuggets did. Staying committed to Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray and they won a championship with that. And they have Mm -hmm. a ton of roster versatility and flexibility and all these things. And I think that's something that the Miami Heat value. So that's why I think, you know, if they can get that guy now who could be that top scorer, they would. But they're not going to be desperate. They're not going to overpay. And they're not going to mortgage the future to do it. That's why they didn't ultimately pull off the Bradley Beal
0: trade, right? So Would you consider I didn't feel like that was mortgage, mortgage, mortgage in the future, though. That Bradley Bill situation. It was a lot of conflicting reports. We don't really know what the mighty he offer and things of that nature. But I feel like based on what the, the Suns gave up, I mean, I don't even what they had to give up Tyler Hero for Bradley. I don't think so. You no. know, it's just
1: like it's I think their worry was the contract. If they if they're the gonna get it, was the, if they have that contract with their payroll as it currently stands with Jimmy mm-hmm. and Tyler getting these extensions, they were gonna be up against that second apron basically every year for the next three years. And then we know what that second apron does in terms of your roster building.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, moves. it's crazy, but the so second that was the problem. even if they let go of Gabe Vincent and they let go of Matt Struess and stuff like that, they're still probably if you because those contracts are coming in, they're still probably going to be up against that apron anyway. So that's the thing you have this to ask. But I guess it's like well, one year or three years. But right. for the Tyler Hero situation, I feel like I don't know because in 2020, I remember he went on that crazy playoff run and things of that nature, and then we had people. Comparing him to like, oh, he's, you know, he'd be just as good as Devin Booker. I was like, pump the brakes. Let's, let's slow it down. But the problem is what is his like, what is his potential? or What is his ultimate ceiling? I don't look at Tyler Hero. I think what we see right now, yeah, he can get a little better. Is he going to be a three to four time all-star? That's the question you have to ask. Like if, he, if he's mm-hmm. not going to be that, it's just like is it worth – holding on Tyler Hero because I feel like Tyler Hero is the ultimate like decision of like what's gonna happen with Jimmy Butler. Because like you said, I get what Pat Riley and the Miami Heat are trying to do. They're trying to preach patience We're like, well we got Jimmy Butler. We're getting close. We're knocking on the door. Maybe we can make a little moves of this and that nature. But it's just like the ultimate key is like really Tyler Hero because you're not giving up bam. So it's just like if Tyler Hero can get you somebody that can actually like capitalize on this Jimmy Butler's window to actually win a championship, then what's really the problem? But it's kind of like they're, they're, they're doing both. That's why I feel like yeah. this run with the Miami yeah. Heat, it's like one of the greatest things and one of the worst things that happened because before the season ended, everybody thought, okay, Miami Heat getting knocked down in the first round and it's going to be a retool. That would have been yeah. it. We wouldn't even be you no know, conversations. But now it's just like with that run they went on, now I feel like it's the same thing as last year. Run it back. That's what it seems like. They're going to like run it back, run it back, run it back. So it's it's complicated. I don't know what Tyler Hero is going to be, but it's tough, Wes. <laughs> it is. No, it's I
1: mean, it, it, it's a very it's, it's a great point, And it's one that the Heat need to figure out. And I think. To be clear, I, I think Tyler Hero is you're right. The Devin Booker thing is is out. He's never going to be Devin Booker. We know yeah. that for two reasons. We've seen Tyler Hero now for a little bit more than just the bubble run when, when he was yeah. a rookie. We've also seen what Devin Booker has become, which is a top 10 player. That's not Tyler Hero's ceiling. He's not going to reach those levels. I think he could be as good as Bradley Beal was. I think he could be that good. Um, and, you know, Beale's seven years older than Tyler is. Right. Yeah. And I know that Beal had a couple of years of scoring 30 points, but those, you know, high usage, taking a lot of shots like. I think there's a world where Tyler Hero is close to what Beal was. That was probably his ceiling. I'm not predicting that he's going to get there, Man, but tough, that would yeah. be his ceiling. The, and that's why I think they didn't. And I think because you see Bradley Beal and just the injuries and, the, yeah. the, you know, he went from scoring 30 to 23 a game. He was scoring 23 a game last year. Tyler was scoring 21 a game last year. Like, it wasn't that big of a difference. Um, so I think that's why they didn't go that route. Obviously, Tyler is much cheaper and younger, and that matters, too. Let me be clear if they have to give up Tyler Hero to get Damian Lillard, they are doing that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So this isn't like ride or die with Tyler Hero at all costs. But mm-hmm. like Damian Lillard is that like top apex premium star that you're willing to move somebody like Tyler Hero for and worth the contract, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, because he makes you like Dame, Jimmy and Bam, your favorites in the East. Boom, let's go. Like you're the favorites in the Eastern Conference. Um, with Bradley Beal, they'd obviously didn't feel like that was going to be the case. So they didn't make that kind of, they, they were not very aggressive in, in those conversations. So um it is it's it's an interesting thing Uh, to go back to what you were saying it's hard to toe the line right between we've got something good right now but we also want to make a move and as much as as much as pat riley was talking about patience he did drop a couple of nuggets in that press conference He said Mm -hmm. i don't want to pause again i don't want to pause again so this team is not interested in staying the same he also said we're working on our fifth iteration so there is an awareness that this team is going to look different next year how different? What is different look like? All those things are open questions that nobody, including the Miami Heat, including Pat Riley, they don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Um, but they are trying to do something that, that propels them forward.
0: Which makes this a lot of fun for us because we're about to talk about it now. So you talked about Damian Litter. That's a guy that we already know that a star level player that automatically, I'm going to ask you two, I'm going to give you two other names I want you to ask me. I want you to tell me Let's like, yay yeah, or nay. Okay. And these are like, I'm going to give you like, Star level players, and I'm gonna give you like players that aren't really like star level, but like still impactful players that the Miami Heat can give. First name Paul George.
1: I mean, would be a great fit. He fits everything that the Miami Heat are looking for. They want length. They want shooting. They want versatility. That's Paul George, man. Like that dude's a baller, and uh, they would love to get their hands on somebody like Paul George. Now, I don't know what it would cost. I don't know what the Clippers are necessarily looking for. Is is moving Paul George then? The the first step to maybe moving Kawhi Leonard to like Probably, so. what are you looking for if you're the Clippers mm-hmm. if you if you're looking for a rebuild then maybe Tala Hero does make sense for them get a nice young player some draft picks whatever it costs um, I like I like the Paul George bit for the Miami Heat a lot
0: I agree next one Zach Levine
1: this one's a little, kind of similar to the Bradley Beal thing isn't it and it's so tough. if it costs you a t- if it costs you Tyler Hero it's it's a hard no but um, if you could get him for you know, expiring contracts and things like that. Then I think it's something that you'd have to think about. But the salary is a big deal. The injury history is a little worrisome. But that's why it, that's why if if it costs you almost just the expiring contracts, then you do it. Um, but you also probably have to think that you're out of the Damian Lillard conversation. Yeah,
0: I would say I would say yes for Zach Levine. The only reason why because he's younger than Dame. He's 26 yes. years old. You know, he's not that much older than Tyler Hero. But I think what Bradley Bill and Zach Levine do because they all do very similar three things. Three level scores that can operate in a variety of ways can score shot creators elite. I think it's I think Tyler Hero's at the bottom of those three when we compare those three. Sure. For Zach Levine, I think they also what they really lacked in this postseason run is a guy that can put pressure at the rim. And that's what Zach, his athleticism is guide tier. That's something mm-hmm. Zach Levine would bring, and that's when it's like, you get the shooting, you get the three-level, the shot creation, but also you get this, like, him putting pressure at the rim. So it's just like, that's why I would do it now. Now, not the star-level names, but, like, the names were, if the Miami Heat got these players, it would still be like, okay, well, they maybe can win a championship, or they maybe won't win a championship, Unfortunately Porzingis, I feel like he would have been the perfect fit yeah. next to Bam, but he's he's gone. <laughs> the Boston just got up. him. Yep. Miles Turner.
1: I think Miles Turner would be a great fit. Um, when you look at what you need next to Bam out of bio, typically what the Heat look for are guys, seven footers who can shoot the three and rebound. Mm-hmm. And he does both of those things. Plus he could protect the rim, right? He blocks a ton of shots. Miami yeah. always ranks near the bottom of the league because they don't block shots, uh, because they're small. Um so I think Miles Turner would be a great fit. I don't know that the Pacers are looking to move him. They just signed him to that extension. I don't know what it would cost. Well, it's reports but... going
0: on right now that basically, possibly Miles Turner and Buddy Hill and the Los Angeles Lakers are trying to do something with the 17th pick. Miami Heat have the 18th pick. So it's just like, mm. it's, it's, it's kind of, I feel like the Miami Heat are in a, a tough situation because you want to win on Dame but it's like, sometimes if you have to try to wait on this superstar to see what the hell he's going to do, then it may cost you like other yes. small guys that can really help your team. I gotta,
1: literally saw this last year when they were waiting on KD and Donovan Mitchell, and yeah. they basically didn't, <laughs> and then P.J. Tucker walked away, and they didn't have a power forward going into mm-hmm. the regular
0: season. Yep. Russell Westbrook. Um, loved what I saw
1: from him with the Clippers. I guess now that they're getting Malcolm Brogdon, I don't know, I don't what, that I don't know what that means for Westbrook. Maybe either. it means he's yeah. got, I don't know. Um I, so it doesn't work in the playoffs because he can't, it, it's sort of like the Lakers problem with Russell Westbrook. Like mm-hmm. if you're, if you're playing with non-shooters, it doesn't really work. And Bam and Jimmy Butler are not shooters. And in mm-hmm. your most important moments, you, you would need those guys on the floor, obviously. But for the regular season, I kind of really like him as an innings eater because he's a guy that's going to play 80 games, 82 yeah. games. He's going to give you a ton of minutes. He's going to play hard every single night. And if you're trying to find ways to lighten the load on Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo in the regular season so that they could be preserved for the postseason, I kind of like Westbrook in that context. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder if it, like, it would it would just become an issue in the playoffs, which but would even, be my hesitancy. But, but
0: even like coming off the bench with the shooting at the Miami Heat half, because if you, if you bring in Russell Westbrook, you'd probably bring in Gabe Vincent back, I'm assuming. like, Because mm-hmm. Gabe's probably going to start and Russell Westbrook come off the bench and then be like that second option for the, Second for the second unit things of that nature, so that's, that's he's a, cool
1: with coming off the bench and not closing games and, and stuff like that. Then, yeah, I, I I think you could do a lot I feel, worse. I feel like Miami
0: next few of these players, but any of these players I mentioned for the second tier of like nine stars, I feel like it would be two. I don't feel like it would just be only a Russell Westbrook. Like I feel like if they mm-hmm. went after Miles Turner, they'll probably try to get a Russell Westbrook as well. Yeah, Kyle Kuzma.
1: I mean, perfect fit. Um, in terms of like skill set and what the heat needed power forward, really hard to to acquire him if because he's opted out, right? Yeah, he's and so opted he's, out. He, so it, it almost makes it impossible because the only way now is is via sign-in trade, mm-hmm. and if you're the heat you're you're just so over the the hard cap now for a sign-in trade that it becomes yeah. really, really difficult to make that happen. But in terms of skill set, that's exactly what they're looking for.
0: Grant Williams.
1: Same thing. You run into that sign and trade issue. Um, the issue with Grant Williams is that he's still undersized. Right. And I think when you're when you're looking at what the Heat need in that front court, you really need somebody that's kind of close to seven feet, like that yeah. Kevin Love, Helio yeah, Linux kind of size. Like Grant Williams is a good player. He does a lot of the things that the Miami Heat like, but him and Bam, that's like we're talking about six six and six eight, six nine. That's a that's a small front court.
0: I got three more, but I'm gonna give you two at one time. Ty Jones, Tyrus Jones for the Minnesota, and also Nas Reed.
1: Mm. Love Nas Reed. Let's make that happen. Can we make <laughs> that happen? I think that's that's
0: perfect. That's yeah, a perfect trick to the heat. Per- cheap two option. All,
1: yeah. Is he he's a
0: is he a free agent or what's going on he, there? I think he's I think he may be I think he has a player option. If he's a player option at probably. seven
1: three million. He's probably gonna if it's a, a player option, he's probably opting out because yeah. he's gonna make some money this summer. So, if you're able to get him, depending, I, I haven't done the Nasri research, I suppose, but, like, if you're able to get him without the sign and trade, because, again, the sign and trade is a non-starter for the Heat, where they are at the cap, that seems like it makes a lot of sense for them.
0: What about Jones?
1: Uh, I like Jones. Yeah, I'm not, um, I'm not really sure what it would cost to get him, but it yeah. makes sense.
0: Last one, Fred VanVleet. Um,
1: it's tough. So again with the free agent sign and trade thing, but I, I like the idea of Fred Van Vliet. The problem with Van Vliet is he's kind of another one of those like Jimmy and Bam guys. Like does all the things that you like on the margins and wins games that way. Yeah. Like do you need more of that? Like if yeah. like Fred Van Vliet's not really that 30 point score. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's more what they need from that point guard position right now.
0: Yeah, it's it's tough because like he I think he shot like 39% from the field. And it's just like you already got a you already got two of your star players that like are just good at everything, but not really necessarily elite at anything. You need somebody to be elite at everything, especially if you're going to pay that, <laughs> what it would take yes. to get them. So, um, this next segment is segment. It's like the truth teller segment. Well so basically okay. I'm going to read you a tweet. You're going to tell me if he or she's a truth teller or not, but this one is from actually Dwayne Wade. Miami legend, okay. he says. Dwayne Wade believes. Truth he'll teller. Oh, be- <laughs> <laughs> I don't think for this one. Uh, and I, Dwayne no. Wade's my God, but my guy, but Dwayne Wade believes he'll be in a goal conversation, still playing if it weren't for injuries. Truth teller or not? Truth teller, man. How Ooh. are you saying no on this Gold Come on. conversation? Is crazy.
1: He that surgery in Mar- at Marquette, yeah, derailed his career, and yet he is still a Hall of Famer. One mm-hmm. of the top three shooting guards of all time. That's no true. question. Like, just imagine if they got that surgery right at Marquette I, goat conversation, who knows? I mean, we're, we also put Kobe in the goat conversation. Like the goat conversation is sort of expanded, mm-hmm. but it's like beyond just like Michael Jordan and LeBron. But like, yeah. could you imagine what Dwayne Wade's career would be like if, if he had never had the knee injury That's and he true, had and like that athleticism yeah. for another, like, cause if he had that athleticism in the big three era, cause it basically leaves him after the, the 2012 year. Yep, he still had a little bit of it in 2013, but it was basically gone by the final by the playoffs. And in 2014, forget about it. There was all maintenance program thing, if we remember. Yeah, like I don't know. Do the Heat get another championship out of that? Does Dwayne Wade stay longer? Does LeBron stay because he's looking around and he's still got a prime Dwayne Wade on his roster, and he's like, I'm not going to leave for that. <sighs> yeah. And do they win even more championships after that? Like we're talking about Dwayne Wade if he's got that right knee. Two yeah.
0: or three more championships potentially So I don't, at that point. It's, it's tough because you can argue, you can make a case that he would have won finals MEP and they should have had another yeah. championship with the debacle and the Dallas Mavericks. But I don't, it's just way is tough because he's one of those players, like if you watch Way, you know, like he's, he's retired. He's starting to become criminally underrated. But his yes. peak was so like phenomenal, but it also was so like short. So I understand like his mindset. He's like, well, if I had this knee situation and my peak was longer, who knows? Because we already, most people rank him anywhere from like as high as probably like, from a talent perspective and a skill perspective, he's as high as like top 15 for me. But most people probably have him in that 20 to 25 range, of greatest players of all time. So who mm-hmm. knows, it's, it's tough. I all know it's like 06 and 08, those are two years where you can make a case that he was the best player in the world.
1: One more, it's such a good point, and just to piggyback on that. There are not a lot, I, in 2008, Dwayne Wade was the best player in the NBA. I am convinced of it, yep. I thought it then, and I think about it now, and you look back, and it holds up, man. Yep. That is not just two Dwayne Wade homers talking about Dwayne Wade. Like, yeah. That is, like, um, if the Heat were any good, he would have won MVP that year. Yep. That's the big knock against him, he's, he's never won a regular, season MVP. But they wa- the Heat wasted his two best mm-hmm. Um, There is not a lot of players over the last 20 years who can claim best player in the league in any given season? And when you look at the, t- if you look at the players who can legitimately claim I was the best player in the league for that year, we're talking about all timers, right? We're talking yeah. about like mid '90s Michael Jordan. You keep moving on, you end up with Shaq probably mm-hmm. for a year. I think maybe Kobe was there for a year, like 2010. Maybe yeah, I don't know. Maybe was, you I, know those
0: Nash I, MVP years.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know that Nash was even, though, like, best player. Like, I don't think anybody was, like, Nash was the best player in the league. No. Yeah, I think, uh, obviously, you had, like, basically 18 straight years of LeBron being the best player in the league. (laughs) Um, You had Giannis for a season. I think Jokic has the crown now. Like, we're talking about, like, all-time all-timers. Yeah. It's tough to get to that number one Mm. level. And and Dwayne Wood was there for one, maybe two years.
0: Yeah, definitely. I definitely, even the Olympics, I always tell people about the Olympics, that redeem team. He was the best player on yep. that team and leading scorer. But next one is from Zach, from P- Zach PPP, Heat Nation at the, the buy or whatever. Obviously, I wouldn't trade Bam and neither are the Heat, but I know the Portland offer would be juicy considering how desperate they are. It would be a Rudy Gobert package on steroids. Truth teller or not?
1: I mean, to get Bam, it would be a Rudy Gobert offer. So in that sense, it's a truth teller, mm-hmm. but it ain't happening. The heat not moving. Bam Adebayo. So in that sense, uh, no.
0: And it's crazy because the truth is, like, even though Jimmy Butler is their best player, their most valuable player is Bam Adebayo. Mm-hmm. One through five on the basketball court, setting screens, passing the ball, facilitating. Like we talk about, like Nikola Jokic. If it's a player that's similar has a similar game to Nikola Jokic, but not like this all-time elite offensive player but does a lot of the similar stuff that Jokic does, it's Bam. Like, his skill set is so unique and the Miami Heat. You have that, so you don't really want to give that up. Last one. And he's
1: young, and he, and he, he kind of represents everything they want to do. Mm-hmm. Just say the same thing you said in a different way. If Adam Silver called Pat Riley and was like, you have to trade one. Sorry, new rule. It's Jimmy Butler or Bam bio. You have to trade one of them, you yeah, would know. trade Jimmy we'll before Jimmy.
0: Bam. Yep. Kevin Durant, Kyrie and Russ inspire a whole generation. They don't ever get the credit for it, though. Truth turn or not.
1: Ka- Kyrie Irving and Russell Westbrook ex- in, inspired um, a whole
0: generation. They don't get it. They don't ever get a credit for it, though. I
1: I would. I think that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's only them. It's still. It's like the same generation as Steph. Like those are guys are all kind of in the same generation. Mm-hmm. I would in Harden, obviously. Um, yeah, I think that's. I think that's fair. You Sounds you right. you go into a basketball court, nobody's wearing the Russell Westbrook's. Like, yeah. ever. That never <laughs> happened. But people are wearing the Kyrie, or were, I guess, Yeah, best before the Nike thing. The best thing.
0: basketball Nike shoe that, since, like, That's
1: like, shortest. That's what I use. That, yeah. yeah, that's what I hoop in. Like, it's, that's what I, and, but not anymore. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, the, that's probably the shoe you see the most on the court. So, I think that's fair to say about Kyrie. And, and, and people love Russell Westbrook.
0: Yeah, Russell Westbrook, I would say, like, off the court. Like, look at SGA yes. right now. The fashion, yes. the style, like,
1: Exactly. That's,
0: that's all Russ. Like, also, Russ being like this this player where a lot of people, once he's retired, they're going to remember how special he was because he was kind of a player that stood 10 toes down in his authentic self. Last time we kind of had a player like that was Allen Iverson. So mm. last question, though, before we get get you out of here, Wes, f- top three favorite Miami Heat players of all time. I know who's number one, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. started at number two. <laughs>
1: Oh my God, this is a tough question. All right. Um, I've always liked Mario Chalmers. I've always defended oh, wow. him. Like, I'm not saying he's top three best, but I always respected him. I love the, I love irrational confidence. That's like maybe my favorite quality in a basketball player yeah. from an entertainment value. And he was like right there with D Wade, LeBron, and Bosch. And I was like, I'm part of this. And I was like, you know what? I respect you. Um, I don't know if he's number <laughs> two, but I'll throw him in. <laughs> ah, that's a tough. Um, uh, man, it's really tough. It's tough. I put Jimmy. I'd put Jimmy in there.
0: Mm.
1: Oh, and Udonis
0: Udonis obviously. Udonis yeah. Has All right. Yeah, those are my three. D Wade, of course, number one. Um, I'm going with LeBron. I mean, I, it's just like I had thought about it. The LeBron yeah. run, and it's crazy because it was so a lot of this Miami Heat run and the hype, and people were talking about you know if the Miami Heat win this this championship, this is a he's better, he, Jimmy Butler is better than LeBron's run. I was like, Sigh. why are we having so much like <laughs> residency bias? I'm going to, I'm going to,
1: I'm going to change your rules. Okay. You asked me top three. Let's go just like Mount Rushmore, four faces. Four and, faces. Because that to me is like, that's the top tier to me. Like to me, it's that's the guy I debated in my head was LeBron. Okay. It's LeBron, UD, Jimmy Butler, and Dwayne Wade for me. And it's kind of like everybody else. And I've got favorites like Mario Chalmers and others. Right. Chris Bosh. I was like, it. there's, Favorites beyond that, but those uh, are my top. I would four say Dwayne
0: easy. Wade, LeBron James, Alonzo Morning. yeah. And then I would give it to Jimmy Butler over Ud. Yeah, it's tough leaving off. Udonis has some. Everything's meant for the Heat culture, but it's tough. I I, I kind of want to leave that third. I would give it to Jimmy Butler, but if Jimmy has to win a ring, it's tough to say. But it's just like it's one of those things where we're like. This is it. You got to do it. It's just like when LeBron James went to Los Angeles. Like, nobody wanted to come there because of Kobe Bryant. LeBron came, he won a championship. And even some Lakers fans still feel like, yo, we really need another one because of the COVID situation. We need one with a parade. Same thing with down here in Miami. This is D. Wade's town. Like, Mm -hmm. most people wouldn't have came to South Beach because of the pressure that Dwayne Wade has put on this city and his greatness and his aura. Like Even though he went to play with the, the Cavs and the, the Bulls. We you don't know, talk we about don't that. We don't talk about those things. Or, he's, he's, <laughs> a, he's a heat lifer. Similar to Kobe Bryant with right. the Lakers. So exactly. Jimmy Butler, you got you to get it done, my guy. But Wes, um, tell us where we can find your writing. Tell us where we can find your, your show, sure. your podcast, and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, I, I tweet out the writing, WC Goldberg on Twitter, Instagram, same handle. Um, check us out, Locked on Heat, YouTube, odyssey everywhere you get your podcasts spotify apple podcasts um really proud of the work that we're doing over at locked on Eat. it's an it's a daily miami heat podcast so if you're a heat fan monday through friday we got you
0: monday through friday Wes goldberg thank you once again man for coming on make sure you go like comment subscribe hoop ties wherever you get your podcast. also watch on youtube i'm a k smith at west goldberg on we're going man peace